All right, other than the really bad uh, quality of the guy reading it, um, hopefully you guys appreciate that. <clears throat> I, uh, this particular chapter, and we've seen kind of a pattern of some of these chapters, I feel like there's not much I can add to this. So you'll notice the notes are mostly, hopefully, leading to discussion. So the first, if you can't read it, if you don't have your magnifying glass with you, whoever that might be on the notes. Did you not get notes? If you, Julia, can you pass out notes to uh, the people who haven't gotten it yet? What? There's an extra one? There's, I think there's some more here. There we go. All right. Here you go. Oh, there you go. I think I think those people may need some too here. <laughs> All right. So if you don't have your magnifying glass and you can't read number one, where it says, what are some ways you can remind yourself and apply this truth? Your presence and approval are all I need for everlasting joy. Uh, Pastor JD contends that the reason we can't say no to temptation is not that our desires for those things are too large. It's because our desire for God is too small. Do you agree or disagree? That says to write your answer, which you are free to do. But I would rather you tell me any of your answers if you have them. Does anyone have comments on, they think, do you agree or disagree? I guess that's the question. Is it truly that our desire for God is too small? Or is it not? JD's all wet. I think it's that our desires for sinful things are too great. I agree. Okay, you agree. Would you like to elaborate on that? Well, I think he really hit the nail on the head. Uh, our desires uh, are too large considering that we need our desire for God to be large. There you go. Yes? Very well stated. If, if you didn't hear, she said when you're focusing on something, that's going to seem large. And so when we focus on God, everything else kind of fades away. I am reminded by that of a story that I once heard about this little girl. Most of you know or have been a little girl. And you can imagine sitting there at the store. You never knew a little girl? How strange. I've never been a little girl. No, but I said or. Uh, this little girl is at the grocery store and she is staring at the candy. And this guy walks up behind her and says, hey, little girl, are you, are you, uh, you trying to figure out a way to take some of that candy? She said, no, I'm figuring out how to not take that candy. Because <laughs> she knew it was the right thing to not take the candy, but she was fixated on that candy to such a degree that it, that was the only option was to either take it or not take it. And she's trying to figure out how do I not take this, which most of us would say just walk down the aisle, like just keep going. Can't take the candy if you're ten aisles away. But 
as, as Kelly said, when you're fixated on something, it, it tends to do it. I, I thought that his story about sitting with his girlfriend and then the Army ser Sergeant Father coming in, I, I, I understood. So I thought the desire to not die was greater than the other desires. And I felt like, okay, he, he made a point on that. So there you go. You know, one of the things, too, is that, you know, we have taken God and placed God in a position in our lives as our best friend, uh, someone that we can relate to. We can't relate to God, really, if you think about it. He's so magnificent, so awesome. You know, when we start we start getting God into a box, he, becomes, he, he stops existing as this awesome creator. We can't even begin to imagine the power of God. Yeah, I... I, if you remember the story about Einstein, where he's like, the reason yeah. Einstein did, rejected the Christian God was not because he thought, you know, well, there is no God. He said he could clearly see there was a God. The problem he had is the people he heard talking about him were selling him short. Right. He said they were being, you know, they, they were being heretical. They, they weren't giving God that glory. And, and that's what you're saying is we, we try to make God in our likeness. And it needs to be the other way around. We're, well, it is the other way around. We're made in his likeness. So. All right. The second question. Again, if you don't have your magnifying glass, this is what it says. It, this is not as good of a discussion question. I should have thrown this one out. But I'll read it anyway since it's on here. What is the only thing that the Bible states is the power of God besides Christ himself? Does anyone remember that? The power of the gospel. Yes, there you go. Barbara gets an A. <laughs> the rest of you? No, not yet. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. All right. All right. Question three. Has following Jesus Christ ever cost you anything? It says briefly write about your experience. We'll talk about it. You can write later if you want. If you cannot think of a time following Jesus has cost you, ask yourself if you'd be willing to follow Jesus, even if it cost you relationships job, career, or your life? Would, has it ever cost you? I, I don't know if any of you have a story where following cost you. We can quote other stories you may have heard of other people, but. Uh, I just, uh, following God, when I was with Kmart, uh, I had Kmart Corporation decide, you gotta understand, the store manager, I had every Sunday off. I never had to work on Sundays, and because Sundays was my day of worship. And all of a sudden, toward the end of my career with Kmart, they changed the policy, and they stated that all store managers had to work on Sunday. Well, I wrote a letter to the head of personnel, made the statement that, you know, Sundays I go to church. So if, I, if it was okay, I would come down to the church, I mean, come down to the store around 3 o'clock in the afternoon and check on the store and everything. But in the mornings, I was at worship. And I turned it, I, I mailed it in, but then when you the mailed it, I mailed it. Okay. And the personnel director came in and me and him was talking and I told him, I said, look, I sent this letter to the corporate, he goes, Travis, you didn't do that. Please tell me you didn't do that. I said, yeah, I did. I sent it in. He said, it's going to cost you. Yeah. He said, I'm just telling you right now. And it wasn't very long afterwards. They were nailing me on everything until finally I decided. Yeah, I forced you out because you worked on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's cost, and, and 
Yeah, you told the story about Mahmoud, who was new in my costume, in my costume is life. I don't know how many of you are familiar with what Muslims do, but if you abandon the Muslim tradition or faith, they, they kill you. Like that's what, and in, and in Islamically led countries, that's not a problem. Like that's, it's not, it's not like here, if they killed you, they would get in trouble. So there's some deterrent there. But it is okay to kill an infidel in Islamic countries. So it was a very real thing, yeah. In India, a uh, pastor friend, uh, an evangelist, went over to India and he led people to the Lord. He said when people, the Indian, some of the Indian people would accept Christ, the next day they would confess Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. Their family would buy a coffin and march down and bury that coffin. And yeah. the idea was that their, their family member was dead to them from then on. Yeah, they just buried it. They were through. Yeah, that's a that's a real thing. Uh, I have. You guys heard the bishop. He came in March. He he tells the story of to us. You know, we read the text. It says, uh, "Believe and be baptized." It's why wouldn't you do it? It's it's part of a command. It's it's your first act of obedience. Okay, so it's something we do here in the United States, but it's. It's a largely, there are not negative repercussions stemming from that. There are countries where, as you described, if when you get saved, you're called to be baptized, you, you get baptized. And when you do, 90% of the time, you're dead within a week. That, that external sign that we're commanded to do that we should do right away and sometimes neglect to do, that is deadly in some countries it is and and yet they still do it why because they're commanded to do it like that's and so yeah living in islamic country is tough uh and it's very easy to see there that it costs you stuff even sometimes here i don't know if anyone else has a story i see that pastor travis is trying to equal barbara's a so (laughs) so does anyone else want an a now that we're yeah yes kelly go Oh, she wants the A, but she's not. She's not willing to to tell the story. Gotcha. All right. She gets an A for her answer to the first question. The, fair enough. Okay. There you go. So we have three A's so far. Three A's. All right. Last question. Last chance to earn an A. If your heart loves sin, throw yourself on the mercy of God, asking Him to change your heart and embrace His righteousness, given to you as a gift. Only then will your heart change. And he, that's a direct quote from the book. And then it says, pray for the Lord to change your heart. Deuteronomy 36. Sometimes when you have those 20 or 30 or 40 chapters and you say the verse after, it sounds like you're talking about a whole chapter. But no, this is verse 6 from chapter 30. Says that the Lord circumcises your heart so that we can love God with our whole being, heart and soul. Without God first changing our hearts, we cannot rightly and fully love God the way he desires. So, does anyone have a story that they want to share about that for an A? Okay, Miss Anita wants the A as well. Go ahead. When um, Pastor Travis's mother, she only had like a few weeks to live, and we all took turns staying with her. We stayed with her on the weekends, but um, 
uh, Texas met when he was 11 years old, and he would come down and he would bring scripture to her. In the past, if you said something about scripture to her, she freaked out, not in the nice way, but she just hated it. So he would come and read scripture to her, and he talked about the circumcision of the heart. Well, that just, she couldn't understand it. So when we got there, she asked Travis, she goes, how can God circumcise your heart? And he explained it to her. And from that moment on, she was changed. Yes. Yeah. Changed. And uh, sometimes, you know, it don't always take a pastor. A little kid, 11 years old, just touched her heart. Yeah, God, God prepares us so that at the moment of when, when, because it's not always the most, like you said, it's not always a pastor giving the most effective presentation of the gospel. It's not always uh, the best we hear. It's sometimes an 11 year old that doesn't know the words they're saying reading the Bible or something like that. So, all right, we'll give you a name for that, Miss Anita. Good job. All right, does anyone else have any, uh, any comments on this line? If your heart loves sin, throw yourself on the mercy of God, asking him to change your heart and embrace his righteousness given to you as a gift. Only then will your heart change. Last, yeah, last chance for a name. There you go. Any other comments on that? All right. Uh, pray with me. Dear God, we thank you that uh, we are learning more about the gospel. We are learning more about how it can change us. Help us to be able to say, you are all I need for everlasting joy. We know that we, we idolize so many things. There's so many things we put above you. Pray that you would help us with that. Pray that as you speak to us uh, later today through uh, your servant Randy, that we would hear something so that our, our lives may be forever benefited. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.